Well, as we know, uh, the war in Afghanistan and Pakistan have now been kind of put together in one acronym. It's now the AFPAC Theater. Right? Scary. Very scary. So we here at Radio Friaz have created the Mexariz. The Mexican Arizona border is that oh, that's another one. Mexariz. Yeah, Mexariz. Well, right. here here's Mexariz. here's some here's let's here's two or three stories about Mexariz. We're okay? on the Mexariz. All now, right. Uh, the city of Tucson has joined a lawsuit by one of its police officers to block Arizona's immigration enforcement law. The suit was filed uh, in late April in the U.S. District Court in Tucson on behalf of Tucson police officer Martin Escobar. It alleges the new law violates numerous constitutional rights, could hinder some police investigations, and violates federal law because Tucson police in the city have no authority to perform immigration duties. Okay? How about that? Wow. Okay. Well, I think it's interesting when a city sues the state. You know, that's like your nose... (laughs) <laughs> suing your toes, you know. Your nose suing your toes. Very, uh, very, very good. And you, so that means the Tucson's giving the finger to basically Phoenix, or at least to Governor Brewer, right? Was well, certainly to Phoenix, and they always have. Yeah, they you have. know, a Phoenix. You know, let, let's put it this way: Arizona is a lot more interesting these days than it ever has been. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now. Yeah. So you've got the Tucson police and Tucson City are 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 bringing them to court. The musicians are boycotting them. Okay, Kane West is among a group of artists who are refusing to play gigs in Arizona, protesting against recent uh, changes to the immigration law. The group called The Sound Strike is led by the rockers Rage Against the Machine and featuring Cypress Hill, Massive Attack, and System of a Down's Serge Tankian. Not familiar with his work. And they're boycotting the shows until SB 1070 is amended. That's the bad job. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a system of a down. Yeah. That's, yeah they're, they're, <laughs> Rage Against okay. Machines lead singer Zach De La Roca said, some of us grew up dealing with racial profiling, and this law takes it to a whole new low. Right? Take it to a whole new low. Writing on the group's website, uh, De La Roca described the situation as critical. And concluded that we are not going to play in Arizona. We're going to boycott Arizona. If other states follow the direction of the Arizona government, we could be headed towards a pre-civil rights era reality. He's right. Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys. No, I think that's really smart is not not to play the state, not to take your um, uh, big convention to Arizona. These this is what's going to first place. The the fiscal pain of losing the money and all of that, that's going to hurt. But all of those teenagers not paying their thirty five dollars to go see system of a machine. Yeah. yeah, It's it's Rage Against Brewer. Yeah. Yeah, They're going to be on app. That's it. You don't want to upset the Ute. Now, now, Brewer. They vote. but, But Brewer. Brewer's enraged. Brewer's the ang- governor. Yeah, okay. Jan Brewer's enraged because she's angry about the dust up over her comment that her father, quote, died fighting the, not- the Nazi regime in Germany. In an interview with the Arizona Guardian, Brewer said she never misled anybody, and she said she's fairly devastated by this. There is no way I have ever misled anybody. You're trying to make a liar out of me, Brewer told the Arizona Republic in a recent interview that her father died fighting the Nazi regime in Germany. But according to the Guardian, Brewer's father, Wilford Drinkwine, that's his name. Hmm. Wilfred Drinkwine died of lung disease in California in 1955. A brewer spokesperson said that Drinkwine had inhaled toxic fumes while working during the war as a civilian supervisor for a naval munitions depot in Nevada. The spokesman said the fumes eventually killed him and that he was on full medical disability at the time of his death. 
Well, she's sucking in those fumes. I mean, yeah, yeah go said, ahead. Yeah, she what said, knowing say, that my father died fighting the Nazi regime uh, in Germany, and that's true. He, he did. He was doing some. Well, the Nazi regine was in Germany, Germany at right. the time. And he was not in uniform. Yeah. She said, she said knowing that my father fought, was died fighting the Nazi regime in Germany, that mm. I lose him when I was 11 because of that, and then to have them call me Hitler's daughter, it hurts. It's ugliness beyond anything I've ever experienced. She's not Hitler's daughter. She's not. She's Hitler's stepchild. Well, Peter, with all this talk about, uh, you know, aliens and Mexico and Mexa-Riz and all of that, I had to get a book called Patriotic Gore out of my library. This came out in the early 60s, written by Edmund Wilson, a really smart guy. And I thought, if I looked in this, why we could maybe explain why Arizona is where it is and Mexico is where it is. Let me read this. Like modern France and the Soviet Union, we inaugurated our national existence with the expulsion of the agents of a monarchic power. And as soon as that had been accomplished, the process of expansion began. This, except for our struggles with the Indians, to which I shall return later, was for some time peaceful enough. We bought Louisiana from the French and Florida from the Spanish. In the case of Texas, we colonized it when it was still a part of a Mexican province and under the rule of Spain, and we made offers to buy it from Mexico, but the Mexicans would not sell. The colonists from the United States eventually drove the Mexicans out and set up an independent republic, which later became part of the United States. Well, now, with the British, we made a settlement to take over the Oregon Territory, but with the relatively incompetent Mexicans, we continually became more high-handed. We demanded of Mexico the payment of a very large compensation for property belonging to Americans, which had been lost in her revolutions, and for Americans who had been shot in Mexico. We offered to cancel this debt if the Mexicans would cede to us that part of their territory, which lay north of the Rio Grande and which we claimed as a part of Texas. And we tried to buy California, which was also a part of Mexico, but which was already being settled in the northern part by pioneers from the United States. The Mexicans refused both these offers, and President Polk retorted by sending troops to occupy the territory north of the Rio Grande. The Mexicans defended it. The United States declared war, invaded Mexico, and captured the capital city and took over, by force of arms, New Mexico, California, California, and all the rest of the unsettled West. This amounted to more than half the territory originally owned by Mexico. The government of Mexico was compelled to sign a treaty with us by which it was agreed that in compensation for the land that had been taken from it, we should pay them $15 million and let them off from responsibility for the claims that the United States had pressed. The sentiment that justified the Mexican War may be illustrated by an extract from a letter written in 1847 by William Gilmore Sims, the South Carolinian novelist and publicist, to South Carolinian Senator James Hammond. You must not dilate against military glory. War is the greatest element of modern civilization, and our destiny is conquest. Indeed, the moment a nation ceases to extend its sway, it falls a prey to an inferior but more energetic neighbor. The Mexicans are in the condition of those whom God seeks to destroy, having first made mad.
They are doing their best to compel us to conquer them. It is now impossible that it should be otherwise. Mark my words, our people will never surrender an inch of the soil they have won. They are too certainly of the Anglo-Norman breed for that. Oh, we will pay for it, perhaps. But only out of the assessed expense and damage of the conquest to us. So there you are, Pete. It, it seems like we fought a war and, and took Arizona away. Well, Pete, I never thought it would happen again, but the president, George W. Bush, w. W. is out there again talking it up. I mean, and proud of his accomplishments. All right. Well, naturally, uh, he, he's got a library. He you know. said he said at a, at a recent speech, yeah. he gets a lot of money for these speeches. Yeah, yeah. And there's nobody in the crowd because nobody's interested, but they already paid him. You know what I mean? It's part of the payoff. He said he would still waterboard the self-professed mastermind of September 11th if he had to do it all over again. If, now, you mean if he had to do September 11th? All over all again. All over again, he'd waterboard him. Yeah, waterboarding, okay. as you know, is a simulated drowning technique that the Obama administration considers torture. Okay, Bush. I don't like it either. But no, go ahead, Peter. I, I consider you know listening to George Bush torture. But yeah. Bush acknowledged uh, that the U.S. used the harsh interrogation technique mm-hmm. on Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and said he would do it again to save lives. And he made this comment speaking to an empty economic club of Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's where Gerald Ford is. Is, is spinning in his grave. Yeah. Yeah. Mohammed was captured in Pakistan in 2003 and is the most senior al-Qaeda operative in U.S. custody, if he isn't already drowned. We don't know if he's alive. Yeah. In his speech, Bush defended the decision to go to war with Iraq in 2003. He said ousting Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein was the right thing to do and the world is a better place without him. Can you believe this, man? The world man? is a better place without him. I think, I think we've spent a trillion dollars now disposing of, uh, of uh, Saddam Hussein and, uh, and, the, and each one of the little individual droners that we're plucking off. Pink. Ah, got you, Ali. Pink. Got you, Muhammad. Pink. One you at know, a time. One what? at a time. Well, I guess that's, uh, you know, I guess that's the way. But the, 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 the two wars trillion bucks a trillion bucks to find out if indeed the world is a better place without him we have learned that iraq may not be like all good things and radio free certainly is a good thing it's coming to an end for today uh we're not doing tang poetry seventh century we're going to go into the elizabethan period that's for, exactly for right uh shakespeare the great shakespeare in his uh, uh his best comedy i think anything you want to Lost, um, recently oh, discovered. recently discovered. Lost for, what, five, six hundred years. Yes. But uh, just as fresh and as new as it could possibly be um, in that there is actually a scene in Anything You Want To about the oil spill. And I thought I'd just read. How prescient. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. So, and you'll be able to hear this performed by the Firesign Theater this weekend. Oh, yes, it's in a Portland, premiere. Friday, Saturday, and, yes, premiere. Yeah, we have never Eugene done this, this scene before. It's in Portland and Eugene coming up. Uh, Edmund Edmund. The uh, the bad guy in in, in anything you want to uh, is found on the beach covered with oil by these fisher folk, and he says, uh, Edmund says, "Back off, buffoon! I'll wipe myself and staggering stand up while I doot. This oil I wear is mine and mine alone. I'd carried back from New Virginia's tideland pools four thousand barrels worth. Now all all lost." 
there's been a shipwreck, see. The new world's power sunk useless to the bottom of the sea. And, and Flounder, the, the, the fisher folk guy, says, <laughs> Nay, tis not. Christ-like it rises as you speak. Upon me soul, tis upon the bottom of me boot. By St. Exxon's broken hull, it's here, it's there, it's all o'er everywhere. How prescient. Can you imagine? Oh, Radio Free Oz. Find us at RadioFreeOz.com. I love the splash page today. It is so beautiful. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, my co-host, David Osmond. John Cumming is our technical consultant. Phil Fountain does the beauty shot. Tom Gedwillow is our webmaster. Chaz Glass, financials and development. Dave Maloney, oh, he does the recording and he does it well. Bill McIntyre produces the whole schmageggy. And Scott Wilde is our social media guru. Catch you on the next side. <laughs>